What's up, Debbie devotees? It's EK back with the Debbie Dose. I am lucky enough tonight to have the one, the only, Kyle Larson on with me. What's happening, Kyle? Not much. Making it through. Trying to stay awake, you know. Um, I think I've had four or five cups of coffee today, so just finished another one, so. Kyle, those are rookie numbers. You got to pump them up in this racket and get those numbers up. <laughs> no, Kyle's Kyle's sweating the Tennessee ball game. That's uh, going to start soon. So thanks for thanks for taking time away from wringing your hands over the beginning of this game uh, to talk some college football and to talk some some Debbie and some C to C tonight. Uh, and I'm fired up. We got the American. The one, the only, the American conference tonight. Adding it to our big board. Is this the last G5 conference that we needed? Did we collect them all? Yep. I mean, there's some independence that we, we may miss, but <sighs> I don't even think, is anybody, I mean, Notre Dame's independent, but like BYU, no, BYU's still independent, aren't they? Uh, we haven't talked about BYU yet, yes. So we'll have to roll them in somewhere, maybe one of the smaller P5 conferences. Or just yeah. do like a 20-minute show. The pack <laughs> eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, BYU, to me, kind of belongs with the pack. For whatever. Yeah, we'll just we'll just add them to the P5 conferences they belong in. So we'll talk about Notre <laughs> yeah. Dame and the ACC. And... Yeah, the American – I mean, this this conference is just like not what it was last year, or the year before, or or any year before. I mean, they added six teams from the CUSA. They lost their three best teams in um, um, Houston, Cincinnati, and somebody else who I'm blanking on. Um, and it threw, me for, threw me for a loop when I started looking at it. And I was like, these teams aren't the American. You know, like UTSA threw me for a loop, and yeah, and I mean, coaching changes too, just all over the place. Um, a lot of new head coaches, a ton of new offensive coordinators, and um, so just a totally different change for this. Oh, UCF is the other team they lost. All three of their, yeah, their yeah, good yeah. football teams, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, you know, the, th- the three teams in the American that have been ranked. Other than two yeah, other right. That, I, I always think of all of them as borderline uh, P5 teams. You know, half the time I think UCF is a P5 team. Um, kind of sucked the past couple of years. So you want, to, uh, you want to lead off with coaching changes? There are a lot, and you certainly know these better than I. You know these coaching tr- trees better than I do. Um Put it all on your your broad shoulders, there, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, this is where most of my research went for this conference, so I'll gladly give you all of my information right here. Um, we'll start with Florida Atlantic. Willie Taggart uh, finally out at Florida Atlantic after some uh, not so impressive years, and he'll be replaced by Tom Herman, the former Texas head coach. Um, Herman, you know, not super successful at Texas. I mean, pretty all right, 
but his passing games there were always pretty impressive with uh, Sam Ellinger. Um, Ellinger had three straight top 10 CFF finishes. Um, so the quarterback is definitely a position we're going to watch at FAU. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that later. And then the slot wide receiver is usually the wide receiver you want in this offense, especially at Texas. I mean, guys like Lil Jordan Humphrey, Devin Duvernay were all uh, CFF wide receiver ones. So definitely dudes to target there. Um, North Texas. um, This one, what came as a surprise to a lot of, a lot of people who follow North Texas, they fired their head coach, Seth Luttrell. Um, He'd been there for a few years. Quite a few years, been pretty successful, honestly, um, in terms of North Texas expectations. Um, but they decide to replace him with Washington State offensive coordinator Eric Morris. Um, I think a lot of Washington State fans were happy to see Eric Morris leave, mm. even if he was leaving for a head coaching position. So um, definitely a bit of a head scratcher. More seems like a lateral move, maybe even a step down. Um, they run very similar offenses. They're both from the Mike Leach coaching tree, uh, both both running the air raid. Um, Morris doesn't have any experience as a FPS head coach, um, has only been an FPS play caller for one season. Um, and Washington State last year, I mean, Cameron Ward was all right for CFF. Mm. Um, the wide receivers, no one wide receiver really separated himself in that offense last year. So expect the receiving work to be spread out um the quarterback play to maybe be all right but they don't really have anyone on the roster that's super encouraging like cameron yeah. ward was yeah the only guy you wanted at washington state last year was uh nakia watson you know? yeah and and jalen jenkins once watson went down but yeah yeah um south florida this is one I, I really like. I think this is um, quite possibly the biggest offensive coaching upgrade in the entire college football landscape this year. Um, head coach Jeff Scott has been fired and replaced by former Josh Heupel offensive coordinator Alex Golesh. Um, he's been Josh Heupel's OC since his last season at UCF, so that's three years now. Um I assume he'll run something very similar to what UCF and Tennessee have been running. Um, that means they'll run a ton of plays. They'll throw the ball often. Um, quarterbacks and wide receivers will eat. Running backs will be all right. I mean, they're going to score touchdowns. So they're going to score touchdowns, but because of how fast they play, they're going to um, swap in and out a lot. So it'll be a committee with, with like, some boom weeks, but they'll be hard to predict. Um, Tennessee in the past three years has had two top five CFF wide receivers. And in that other year where they didn't have a top five CFF wide receiver, Cedric Tillman was the wide receiver 17. Um, obviously, Hendon Hooker has been an elite CFF quarterback asset over the past two years. Um, and then the other thing to note is that tight ends, not really a uh, – a big deal in this offense at all. So hmm. look at the quarterback and the wide receiver position in South Florida. Uh, moving on to Navy, they fire their head coach and promote their defensive coordinator to head coach. He brings in offensive coordinator Grant Chestnut from FCS Kennesaw State. Uh, Chestnut has eight years of OC experience at Kennesaw. He'll um, still be running the triple option. 
that's kind of a requirement by Navy. Like he doesn't even have a choice if he wanted to run something else, but um, he does come from a spread option background at Kennesaw state. So um, they're talking about, you know, running a few more plays out of the shotgun, which is something they've basically never done before, which is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, Navy's trying to figure out how to make the triple option still work. And after, you know, tackles aren't allowed to block downfield anymore. So um, an, an interesting change, but I, I doubt it's a big deal. They'll probably have like 10 pass attempts per game instead of four. So um, not much. The quarterback will likely be the leading rusher. Could maybe be fantasy relevant if they, they actually figure out how to make it work, but um, I doubt it. Maybe a running back, you know, takes over. And kind of like Brad Roberts did at Air Force. I mean, but like that's best case scenario. And we haven't seen that at Navy in a while. Um, UAB, they hired Trent Dilfer as their head coach. Um, the, this one is wild. Trent Dilfer, vastly inexperienced. I mean, he, he was a high school head coach last year and um basically gets the job based on name recognition and, you know, yeah. his experience as an NFL quarterback. But, right. And a talking um, head on the TV, right? Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see. Um, they also hired, he hired his office coordinator, Alex Mortensen. Um, he's also very inexperienced. He's never called plays um, at any level. Um, so It'll be interesting to see that UAB definitely won't be as run heavy as they were. There's the Wayne McBride's not going to get replaced with somebody else who's going to have his kind of opportunity share. Um, there's been some proof that Dilford can coach the quarterback position. He had a, a quarterback, Hank, Hank Brown, um, at Lipscomb Academy in high school, who um, is committed to Auburn now and going to Auburn this year. So, he developed him a little bit, so maybe he can develop a quarterback at UAB, but um, I, I I don't think there's that much of a um, correlation there, so we'll see. Tulsa is next. Um, they get a new head coach and offensive coordinator. New head coach is Kevin Scott, and the new offensive coordinator is Steve Spurrier Jr. Um, I may – no. His name's not Kevin Scott. It's Wilson. Um, <laughs> the, uh, last, the I think Kevin Scott's the old head coach. I think I just mistyped this. Um, but Wilson is the former Indiana head coach from 2011 to 2016 and the most recently Ohio State offensive coordinator from 2017 to 2022. Um, Steve Spurrier Jr., obviously experienced at South Carolina under his dad, Steve Spurrier. Um, as well as being the wide receivers coach for Mike Leach at Mississippi State and Washington State, um, a lot of, a lot of um, this offense is going to be unknown. Um, Spurrier obviously under Leach didn't, you know, call plays, didn't create the offense. Leach, that was Leach's baby. Um, same kind of thing for Wilson at Ohio State. That was Ryan Day's baby. Ryan Day was calling plays. So um, it'll be interesting to see what comes of this offense. I expect hiring Steve Spurrier Jr. that he wants to run some kind of air raid. Um, so you could see some impressive play from quarterback. Maybe a wide receiver breaks out. I mean, Wilson had some very impressive wide receivers at Ohio State, but you never know how much is 
of that is him and how much of that is Brian Hartline or Ryan Day. <clears throat> so I'd expect some form of air raid. Um, a pass catching running back could be interesting at Tulsa, a la, you know, Max Borgie or Jaquavius Marks or whoever you want to bring up who's caught passes in the air raid system before. Um, UTSA replaces their offensive coordinator. Um, Justin Burke is the former special teams coordinator um, getting a promotion to OC. So it'll probably be a very similar system as they've run in recent years. Um, recently, they've just been churning through in-house hires, um, making them OC for a couple of years, and then they get promoted to P5 jobs. Um, I believe most recently, this last one's going to Oregon. So um, Jeff Trailer has just been mentoring these guys and letting them move up. So uh, I doubt anything will change. They'll probably still be a pretty good offense, especially with the talent they're returning. Um, Charlotte gets a new offensive coordinator as well. And Mike Miller, he is the former co-OC at Maryland um, with um, and the tight ends coach. He has almost no track record, um, never didn't call plays at Maryland. So not sure what to expect. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he's a, like a Dan Enos disciple, I guess, because um, he was under Enos at Bama as a graduate graduate assistant, and then followed him to Maryland. So um, maybe something like that Maryland Alabama type offense, but um, a lack of talent for sure at Charlotte. So no idea what to expect there. Yeah. And then Tulane, um, this one is pretty pretty unimportant. They get a new office coordinator whose name is Slade Nagel. Um, he's not actually a new office coordinator because he was a tight ends coach last year. And last year he was given play calling duties about week four or five and was calling plays as the tight ends coach for most of the season. So expect pretty much everything to be the same as last year, as the end of last year for Tulane. So. Dude, that is a mouthful. <laughs> I appreciate you doing that. Holy moly. I don't think we've done a conference yet that had – nearly this many significant coaching changes, right? I mean, that was just every freaking team in the conference, basically. <laughs> eight out of 11 or so, eight out of 12, something like that, eight out of 14. Um, but there's some big ones there, you know? Uh, I think, you know, you got me excited about... Um, the Florida uh, teams. Yeah. FAU and USF. Yeah, yeah, USF, really. I mean, if that, if, uh, you know, if he can pull off the hypo style offense there, I think there's some gold to be mined. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and FAU, you know, that, that's really interesting too. Um, so, right, with that, I will, I will try to give you a, give you a rest for a second. I'll, <laughs> I'll lead off on the quarterbacks. And if, if you guys haven't, uh, watched any of our big board series so far and talked about who left, who transferred in, who transferred out. And I know it's, it's a lot of information, but we're really trying to be thorough and make sure no one slips through the cracks that, and at least the not all these guys are guys you're going to want to like be drafting or spending significant capital on, but a lot of them are guys you should be watch listing. You should be aware of. And uh, I mean, and there's some guys in here that are, that are definitely, um, you know, they're stepping into positions where they, where they might really be, 
you know, fantasy gold, even though no one is talking about them. Um, but let's start off with quarterbacks. We lost Chris Reynolds from Charlotte. He was good. He was a Russian guy. Uh, was, you know, obviously successful enough to uh, keep keep Elijah Spencer uh, producing last year. And before that, it was someone else here before. Uh, Holton Adlers. And he had like three wide receivers last year between um, Spencer, DuBose, and Tucker. Yeah, DuBose was really good too, um, and Victor Tucker, right? Um, and Hol- Holton Allers moved on. I don't. I mean, was Allers anything special, really, Kyle? I don't. I didn't really think so. Yeah, I mean, steady. All right, he, he was the kind of guy you a fill in, you know. Yeah, a little bit of rushing. Right, yeah. and Nikosi Perry, kind of the same thing. Was a good college quarterback, played a lot of seasons, ran a little bit. He was a startable uh, quarterback uh, for the past couple of seasons. Uh, you know, a little up and down, but, um, you know, it was a guy you could plug in there and that was cheap. Um, so with some opportunity available at those spots. And there are some bangers coming back here. Uh, Frank Harris is just the obvious one. I mean, he's he's a top five or six uh, CFF QB, I'd say. Probably not a Debbie guy. He's got to be 23 already, right? 24. And he's old, man. It's a season six for Harris. Uh, it's tough to argue about 27 plus points per game. Tough to argue about 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, and then production. On top of that, last year, he went for 609 on the ground. I mean, that is, that's some real production. Um, it's nothing to sneeze about. And then the other guy that, uh, you know, coming back that I think is super exciting is Michael Pratt, who's now going to be in his third year at Tulane and really has progressed every year in, in every possible way. He's gotten better as a passer. Uh, he's gotten more productive every year. They're trusting him more and uh, letting him do more. Last year he was good for, you know, 20, 24, 25 points a game, uh, 3000 yards, 27 touchdowns, almost another 510 tutties on the ground. Um, you got anything about any of those guys, Kyle? I mean, yeah, these are, um, both great CFF quarterbacks. They're both top 10. Um, Pratt, the QB nine last year, Frank Harris, QB five last year. Um, I don't see any significant changes in the offensive system. So uh, I think, I think wheels up again for both these guys. And I think Pratt is a pretty legit Debbie guy. I mean, as far as these lower tiered conference guys go. Yeah. He's, he gets drafted for sure. And, you know, he could have a, uh, Malik Willis, like, rise, right, if he goes off this year and gets some hype. Uh, he certainly has the tools that, uh, you know, draft analysts get excited about. Um, all right, where do you want to throw Harris? Two. Yeah, right? Can't really put him behind Bryn, I don't think. Uh, all right. And Pratt's, I don't know. I mean, I could put Pratt at three. Maybe put him behind Bryn. I think Pratt's proved more, right? Yeah, it's a little tough. I mean, the, the thing about Brandon is we just love this offense he's going into at Georgia Southern. Um, Where's what, what school does Harris play for? UTSA. Uh, so you, you're putting – you want to put Brandon ahead of uh, – No. No. I, I mean, Pratt, Pratt, Pratt outscored Van Treese last year, and Van Treese was starting for Georgia Southern. I mean, 
I just think he's more talented than Bryn, too. I mean, he's... Yeah. Vantrese wasn't good, though. I mean, Bryn is going to be better and still have almost 500 attempts, but yeah, I think Pratt's safer. Yeah, Pratt's going first in, in most drafts, I would think. That's where the edge is, though. Yeah, no, <laughs> well, if we know, think it's it. that close. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I guess my, my other couple of guys that I had here, and I, I'm I might be higher on EJ Warner than a lot of people. I have found myself defending him a lot this year already. I'm just, you know, he came up in our uh, one of our other, you know, uh, sleeper late round value kind of guys shows uh, that we did non 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 freshman supplemental targets. And uh, he's a true sophomore. He's Kurt Warner's son. He's got pedigree. He's got name recognition. He's going to get access to resources that other kids just are not going to get. Your father is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he ended the year just going nuclear. uh, 527 yards, five tuddies against East Carolina. Not a great defense, but, you know, 486 and three against Houston. And uh, you, you don't see true freshmen put it together that quickly. Uh, that often, and and he was playing with no talent around him. I mean, his top two wide receivers were tight ends, and uh, most of them had not done anything uh, earlier in their career to 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 gather any attention. So I'm I'm pretty pretty stoked about Warner, and man, he's still cheap in supplementals. I get him like eighth, ninth round, um, and I think he might have some legitimate Debbie upside. And the other guy that uh, it's worth talking about, I think, largely because of the coaching change. If he gets the job, and that's an if, is Gary Bohannon to the USF. It was okay last year. Threw like 16 touchdowns and six interceptions. Runs a little bit. I just really think the theory here is that if he gets the job, you want you want the guy in that air raid offense. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um I like Warner. I mean, there, there's definitely uh, something there when he, you can do that as a freshman. Um, and then the one guy I have written down for returners is Seth Hennigan uh, at Memphis. Um, he's been productive for the last two seasons. I mean, 21.3 points per game in 2021, 20.75 in 2022. Good for QB 20 last year. He's a very solid CFF asset, definitely a guy you can have as your QB3, QB4 in those types of leagues and plug in on bye weeks. Um, not really a Debbie guy, though. I mean, he's pretty pretty, sh- pretty um, weak is the word I'm looking for. He doesn't have it like a cannon of an arm. He's not really mobile. Those are the, the types of things that, um, you know, NFL scouts love. But he's a good college quarterback. Uh, I, I like Hennigan, man. He had some big games, too, uh, his first year starting. I feel like it was it came down a little bit last year, uh, down to earth. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, less less weapons, I think. Um, I mean, they lost um, oh, that guy who's on the Steelers now. <laughs> I can't help you. they lost a wide receiver to the Steelers yeah two years ago or a year before last year 
Um, really good CFF guy. Shoot. Oh, It'll I know you talked about the little guy. Little guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah, he was called Austin. Let's... Calvin Austin. Calvin yes, Austin. Calvin Austin. Yeah. There it is. Um, yeah, I had hopes for him and the NFL, too. I definitely, you know, not doing much so far, but he's been hurt, too. So mm -hmm. I don't know where he fits into that wide receiver room, but probably returns kicks, I would think. Um, so Warner and Hennigan. Yeah, so I, I think Warner is like right in that Daquan Finn range. I put Pratt above Finn and I put Warner right behind him, but I feel like Warner could be I could argue for Warner being the Debbie QB one of this group. I don't think I think everyone else will tell me I'm crazy right now, but I just see a path for him to do that where I don't really see a path for most of these guys to earlier on draft capital out of the G five. You know, but um I'll leave him right there in the middle. But where do you put him for, for CFF? I mean, would you rather have Brett Gabbert or EJ Warner? Um, oh, you're all the way down there. I, you think you'd rather have Kayvon Cordero or EJ Warner? No, I think I'd put him in. Grayson McCall for CFF, definitely, re really. Taylor Green I could go with. I could go in that range. Ahead of Basilak. I thought you were really high on Basilak, though, because of the offense there. I think I'd have him above Granger below green. Above Granger. Or above green. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I'm cool putting him above green too. I don't I think green's got a lot of hype. Like he hasn't proven the talent for sure. And uh and Hennigan, where do you want to put Hennigan? Like Hennigan's better than Warner, right? For CFF or I mean I don't know, I guess he's I, I think the projection is that Warner is better. Yeah. The, and the talents there. The, sure, like, again, like the ceiling is the ceiling is way higher for Warner. Yeah, but, 500, 505 with a with a you know high school skill weapons around him. You know, um, so where do you put Hennigan here? I think Hennigan's the same level of safe as Darren Granger. Like they're both guys who are going to get yeah points for yeah game. yeah. I was looking at Basilak. Like uh, I probably put him ahead of that. Um, um, and where do, where do you like Warner for, for Debbie? Do you like where I put him or? Yeah, I think I'd have Pratt above Reed though. I'm fine with that. I, I mean, I don't think, I think we Reed definitely gets drafted, but I doubt he gets drafted highly. Right. Yeah. And, and Pratt could. I could have a third round type projection. Um, I mean, frankly, I, I would put Warner above him too, but I didn't know if um, everyone else would think I'm crazy. <laughs> crazy if I put Warner above him. Above Reed? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll put him ahead of Lynn, but not Reed. Uh, all right. Missing anyone? Bohannon, do you want to rank Bohannon at all? I would love to rank um, the USF quarterback. <laughs> Honestly, it sounds like it's Brown to me. So let's let's roll let's roll a little bit, and then we'll we'll go back to ranking guys. So um, those were our returners, um, you know, and then we had some some guys in the the stepping up category. Some of it's pretty confusing. So 
uh, Byron Brown, USF, stepped in when Bohannon got hurt last year with him, one other kid, the other kid medically retired. Um, Byron Brown threw, threw six touchdowns over two games as a starter. One of them was three touchdowns, no interceptions. The other one, I think he threw a couple of picks too. Kind of sounded like if the season started today, it's Byron Brown there at USF. So honestly, I and, and what the coach said, there's literally a quote about this in one of the last articles I read. And uh, the coach said, Jerry hasn't had a chance to compete yet. You know, so he wasn't willing to write him off. But Bohannon, like, threw the same number of tutties and interceptions last year. I don't know if that's the profile of a guy that I'm going to project to throw for 4,000 yards this year. He runs a little bit, too, but I think Byram had some ability, too. So, um, there's other guys in that category. Jacob Zeno at UAB. I don't know. We have no idea what's going on there. Jacob Zeno is a retread from Baylor. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and then uh, you had a couple of guys here. I had Preston Stone. Uh, obviously, he gets a ton of hype for a reason. Uh, he's going into that SMU offense that is just always, you know, that's what that's Lashley, right, Jake, Kyle? I mean, that is just a prolific offense. Also a prolific offense that sends guys to the NFL every single year. They have a wide receiver get drafted this year, second round guy. Um, You know, and that's not, not shocking coming out of there. They, they, they're a a feeder school for the NFL out of the G5, which is pretty, pretty surprising. Um, So we think Preston Stone's going to blow up this year. Um, All this, all this, you see, yeah, what? yeah. Just to really like put the icing on the cake here, Stone is like a decently high four star. Four star out of like high school. Um, was com- yeah, was committed to Oklahoma at some point, I, I believe. Um, but ended up going to the hometown team SMU. Um, back when Sonny Dykes was there. Um, but chose to stay after Dykes left for TCU, and the rest is history ready to start now that Tanner Mordecai's out and headed to Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, and Mordecai was prolific there. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's you know, easily 25 points a game. Um, so who, who else did you have in that, in that class that you wanted to talk about? That I want to talk about? Nobody. Um, uh, I guess I had Braxton, Braxton, uh, probably this, the starter for Tulsa, the junior, uh, threw for 10 touchdowns last year in relief of Davis Brin. Uh, runs the ball a little bit too. He's getting uh, right a new coach, near raid system. So maybe he's a guy that has the kind of rise that we saw Davis Brin have last year, where no one was really talking about him in the preseason, and he turned into a pretty nice CFF asset for you. I like that. Um, I have Mason Garcia at Eastern Carolina. He's been backing up Holton Allers for three years now, I believe. So um, ready to take the mantle, most likely. And then I have a Jace Reuter at UNT, um, North Texas. He uh, started his career at UNC. Um, I think he's in his like fifth or sixth year now. So probably going to start this year and be done. But um, Air Raid at UNT could be interesting. I don't know. I feel like I've been trying to convince myself of UNT's Air Raid for a number of years, Austin on and whatnot, um, to no avail. So. Not, not have so a running much. back you want, right? UNT, I feel like. They usually have not a running even. back. Not even. They did a couple of years ago. 
had the guy that was like 25 and was still in college and was catching passes. <laughs> Maybe. Um, we'll have the transfers in here too, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. Jalen Jones transferring to Charlotte from Bethune Cookman. Um, Charlotte has like a six man competition. The court, the coach is like, yeah, it's a totally open competition. Everybody's on the table. Um, but Jalen Jones last year threw for 2,200 yards and 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions, as well as running it 131 times for 574 yards and five touchdowns. Dual threat guy played, um, at the high school where the new head coach coached three years ago. So some familiarity with the coaching staff um, could get him the job there at Charlotte, uh, but no idea if that's worth anything. Yeah. Uh, Case was useful. Yeah, but totally different philosophy. Like I just don't know what they're going to do. Casey Thompson, the big name here uh, heading from Nebraska, formerly from Texas to FAU. Um, this is a guy who I think has proven that he's a power five level mm-hmm. talent, at least all right. Um, so I think he's a little overmatched in this conference and will probably show that with FAU. And as I said, Tom Herman had success with Sam Ellinger at Texas, turned him into a CFF star. I think he can do the same thing for Casey Thompson against this low level of competition. And I think they have a, a, a decent wide receiver core coming back to uh, help him out. Yeah, I'm excited about Casey Thompson. He's a guy that he, he's owned in a lot of leagues, but not in all of them. And I've definitely been sneaking him onto my rosters at the end of the supplementals where I can. I mean, he could. He's an easy cut if they suck, but I think he puts up some some big numbers because he runs a little bit too. Mm-hmm. All right. And then I guess while we're while we're talking about it, I mean you got JT Daniels at Rice, whatever. He was like a high four star. I don't, he wasn't even that bad when he was at Georgia, you know? Just yeah. wasn't consistent, I guess. Um, but at Rice, does he go, you know, whatever? Could he throw thirty touchdowns this year to no. McCaffrey? You know, I don't know. Um, and then you had the one JUCO guy, or was he freshman? True freshman. True Israel. Freshman. Israel Carter at USF, um, high three-star, I believe, dual-threat quarterback, uh, legit athleticism, great arm. Um, he had P5 offers, was originally committed to Arizona before, um, I believe, the coaching staff changed, and that kind of soured him. But um, I like Israel Carter quite a bit. Yeah, no, it's a very exciting in that uh, hypolisk offense. Um, and this guy is not getting hype. So, uh, yeah, super interesting there. All right, what do we do with these guys? Zeno, I don't care about. I don't want to rank him. Um, Stone, though. Stone goes high, right? I think, yeah. I think Above for Cordero, below Cordero. CFF. Man, the fact that Cordero's on this list just feels wrong. <laughs> it feels like he shouldn't be in college. Um Seventh year, sixth year. I think Stone for Devi is like top four. Agreed. Yeah. Like it's pure projection, but I I, I think um, he has pedigree. Yeah. 
CFF, um, I think, yeah, ab- above yeah. Warner, um, at least. Call. Uh, no, I'll put him there, but I, I could easily uh, see him surpassing those guys. But I mean, McCall's done it, right? Cordio does it every year. Right. Done it. Finn's done it. Bryn's done. Bryn's sort of done it. But Mordecai last year, like, if Mordecai was an SMU, where would we put him on this list? I'd probably put him above Cordero and Rourke. Was he that good? I thought he was. Maybe he was just, like, boom games that I'm thinking of, but. I feel like he's been good in the past, but he was just like kind of all right last year. I want to say his first year was was really good. 25 points a game's first year, 22 and a half last year. First completion percentage went down, touchdowns went down. Um, yardage was about the same. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm comfortable stone there. Um yeah, I mean, I could argue even putting Warner over him, but I'm comfortable with him there. I think they're it's a tier. You know what you probably do when we're done? It's tier this all out, ranked tier. So Oof. that's probably what makes the most sense here. Oof. Take our day and we'll set that. Yeah, yeah we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a six hour show fighting over. <laughs> no, he's things. tier three. Um, all right, let's not get stuck here. Uh, Hennigan. We've got we got those guys Braxton Braylon Braxton, um, I mean Bryn was pretty good last year, right? Well, Bryn was good for twenty five a game. Mm-hmm. Where where do you want to put him? I think um, right below Legus, maybe. Yeah. Bryn was Bryn was fifteen points a game last year. That's not super encouraging. That's not encouraging. Why did I, I think Cole. Was I think that? Cole Snyder was like eighteen last year. Um, so uh, we're not putting this guy that high. We'll throw him on the list, though, right? Put him down there in that Hopkins range. Chandler. Rogers. I mean, I think he's interesting with the the uh, system, but Mikey Keen range. Yeah. I'm going to the Mikey Keen range. Um, Braylon Braxton. Uh, all right. You Bryn do want just, US. Sorry. I think I think Bryn was just bad against good teams last year. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. And like good was against bad teams. Yeah, Jacksonville State, he destroyed. NIU, he destroyed. Wyoming, he destroyed. And then, yeah, he got to... Cincinnati and Memphis went negative. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll hurt your averages, right? Um, Yeah. I I don't think that offensive line was, like, prepared for those types of teams, but... So, uh, say Byron Brown gets the job, and he's a competent college quarterback. We like um, him. We like yeah. him more than Lagos. Oh yeah, I think I'd have like had a Granger. I can get with that. I mean, but like we're projecting a lot too, though. So 
Are you really going to take him ahead of Granger in a draft right now? I mean, pretty much everybody goes ahead of Darren Granger in drafts right now. Oh, that's true. I haven't <laughs> Which uh, is a travesty. Like, getting Granger in the last round is perfect because he's going to get you 21 points a game. But That's a great kind of arbitrage play. Um, but this is a guy with some real upside, though, right? So I think we're pretty good with him there. And then do you care about any of these other guys? I definitely put oh Casey Thompson. Oh yeah, he, he could he could blow up. Mm-hmm. Right, that same range. Ahead of Warner, I think he lasts longer in drafts. I'll tell you that. But in 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 Debbie drafts at least. But I guess Warner has some upside, so I'm cool with that. I mean Thompson was like legit scoring points. At Nebraska, right? He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna run amok at uh FAU. I mean, does he have anything to throw to? Yes. All right. And then Israel Carter, I feel like, goes on the Debbie list, at least, you know, at the bottom of it, right? Yeah, I think um Jalen Raynor needs to be on the bottom, but yeah. I put Frank Harris on there, just thinking maybe he gets to A3 Capital and starts again. No, I, I, th- I think that's good. All right. Um, are we off quarterbacks? Any parting shots on quarterbacks here? No. I don't think so. Okay. Running backs definitely had some guys to part with some serious production. I mean, this is, this is a lot of production lost here. Dwayne McBride vacates. 233 carries, 1,713 yards, 19 scores. Yeah, it's a different system, though. And is there anyone filling that void? We'll talk about that in a minute. Daenerys Prince was good, not a world beater. But, I mean, gosh, he's he's in an NFL camp. Ty J. Spears, obviously kind of like the biggest name here, guy that got uh, day two capital. I think he left behind. I think he went for 1,200 yards. Uh, last year, if I recall correctly, on the ground. And I think he caught a few, quite a few passes, too. Um, and then Keaton Mitchell, right, was, a, was an uber producer for CFF. Uh, 15 touchdowns last year for Keaton Mitchell. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And he was fun to watch, too, man. Uh, Fast as shit. Yeah. And then uh, top returners. I only had one, and then I'll let you have it, but a Kavorian Barnes, Utah. Only 10.7 points per game, but he didn't start until mid-October, right? So from that point on, he got nearly all of his production, um, but he still registered playing in the earlier games, so it kind of torches his averages. Uh, 135 carries, 845 yards, six tutties, another 10 catches, 115 yards. And uh, two of his last three games were 130 yards plus. Um, he's getting a lot of hype, and uh, I think it's warranted. We've seen this system, uh, or we've seen this school crank out running back production, and uh, you know, and it hasn't hasn't changed, right? Same system, new guy at the helm, but we're expecting very similar uh, production. And uh, you, you saw. 
14th in all of CFB last year in scoring. Um, 36.8 points per game. That is a lot of touchdown opportunity for at least a average G5 back. And uh, and we think what we've seen from Barnes, we think he's above average for a G5 back. We think he can play ball. Uh, so what, what you got? Love Kavorian Barnes. Um, I, I wish he went later in drafts right now. Because mm, very early. Yeah. He, he's getting drafted in C2C supplementals like he has legit Debbie value, and I'm not entirely sold on it. But yeah, um, definitely a CFF producer. I think people are pivoting away from Debbie earlier to CFF now than they used to. Like people are really starting to hammer CFF assets if they're really aggressively trying to win that side in like the fourth and fifth round now, which people used not to. Third round. I saw I saw Bangura go in the second in the draft we're in. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, man. Dude, uh, I, I was shocked when Kane took Gadsden. In the first round, yeah, he he, he took Gadsden and Vingura. I mean, it's if you want to win the CFF side, Gadsden's. I mean, as long as he keeps the tight end eligibility, he's the top three tight end, right? He's Bowers and him. So, yeah, I get it. It's just they've they've gone Gadsden, Vingura, Milton, and Hammond. Like that is full CFF. He took Rodney Hammond in the fourth. Yeah. <sighs> I had him on my my cue, but like, not yet. Like, um, I that's that's one of those teams that's running half and half. So he, he's gonna screw over his teammate in the NFL side. <laughs> but he might win the CFF side. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You win the CFF side once or twice. You're you're, you're free rolling your team for four or five years, right? Like. But that yeah. is that's pretty extreme. There's no there's no NFL upside for maybe Gadsden, <laughs> right? But I don't I don't know. Feels like a tweener. Yeah, I mean Milton if he hits, but it's a big if. Um anyway, back to the American. The the running back returners I had are all pretty unimpressive. Um, but they are running backs and they are returning, so we'll bring them <laughs> up. Um Jevion Ducker for Memphis is returning. Um he had nine points per game last year. Um, was pretty impressive at NIU the year before and transferred to Memphis and then didn't take over. Um, Memphis has been really big on the RB by committee recently, and I don't expect that to change considering what's happened. I mean, they lost their leading rusher last year, Asa Martin, to the transfer portal, but they replaced him with Blake Watson from Old Dominion, who was their leading rusher. So um, I think it'll be a three-headed backfield once again with – Javion Ducker, uh, Blake Watson, and the other returner, Brandon Thomas, who had some really good games in 2021, but has just dealt with injuries all the freaking time. Um, Averaged nine and a half points per game last year as well. Um, Is once again injured this spring and not practicing. Um, Gosh, so much intrigue with Brandon Thomas, but um, very unfortunate string of injuries for him. And then the the, uh, next guy I have is a fullback. Dabe Fofana for Navy uh, was their leading rusher last year and was a good for 9.24 points per game. So that's exciting. Exciting stuff there. Um, and then last one I have is Oscar Attaway at North Texas. I believe it's his fifth or sixth season this year. He had 11.4 points per game last year. 
I would be a lot more interested if he caught passes, but he had like nine targets last year. So um, not super impressed. Yeah, I don't think I even want to rank. I don't know. I mean, Ducker and Thomas, if one of them gets the job, right, and we see a return to that kind of Memphis rushing game like we used to see back in the day when they are just pumping out NFL running backs. Yeah, but that's uh, all um, It's all at Florida State now. Yeah. Oh, that was Norvell, huh? Yeah. So, uh, they're both talented, too. I think Brandon Thomas, his freshman year, ran hard. I think, I think Blake Watson, Watson is talented, too, is the issue in the Old Dominion transfer. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think they're all going to be on the field if they're all healthy. So. so what do you do with them? Do we rank them and just, like, I mean – for CFF, are you taking Keyshawn King from Western Michigan, or are you taking your favorite Memphis back? King. Are you taking Sean Dollars, or your favorite Memphis back? Dollars. <laughs> no. Really? Yes. Yes. Oh, I man. think he's the RB1 by far. Okay. Okay. And Kyrie Robinson averaged 14 a game last year, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's brutal, man. I think above Lingard is fair, but. But which one do you put? I, I think it's probably Blake Watson, but who knows? Ducker was a beast before he got there. They're all undersized, right? I mean, I think Thomas is the only one with like a, you know, like RB1 type physical profile. Yeah, I mean, my favorite is Brandon Thomas if he's healthy, but I don't think he is. I've just kind of yeah, given up on because of the medical. I put Brandon Thomas slash Jalen Tucker. <laughs> Watson. Honestly, I think it's Watson, but maybe that's the recency effect. You know, where he smashed last year and the other two didn't. But also, he smashed because of like pass catching ability. I don't know if Memphis even really wants to throw to the backs. Um, yeah. Barnes. What do you want to do with Barnes? I put him behind Frank. I like that. Um, yeah. yeah. I think we're, we're projecting a lot with Whaley, I think, but I think it's fair. Whaley was great that, you know, two years ago, though, right? You're, yeah. Yeah. So we're projecting him for 19 points a game. Barnes about to be in that mm-hmm. range. Yeah. Uh, Jalen White had like 18 and a, and a half, you know. Um, all right. I'm happy with that. So stepping up, this was fertile ground, but also kind of tough to pick the guy was my, my experience. I think it seems like it was kind of yours too. Uh, UAB, obviously someone's going to be there running the ball. Uh, like we talked about, they have a completely unproven head coach um, who might be styled as a quarterback guru. We don't know. Um, but I also kind of think, you know, new offense, trying to put it all together. I think you lean on the run a little bit, um, particularly if you don't have, you know, a standout quarterback talent, which sounds like they do. So Jermaine Brown was the Q, the RB2 there last year. But the RB2 there last year was good for 948 and 8 behind behind McBride. So, I, you know, he's a kid that can run the ball. 
if he gets volume, I think he'll succeed at this level. I think we've already seen him succeed. Uh, so I think he's really interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. You make him the lead back. You, you got to figure you're penciling him in for a thousand, at least a thousand and, and eight again. So, um, and then the other guy that got a little bit of hype was Demetrius Battle, who's a transfer up from uh, FCS level. Uh, you know, but he wasn't like a 2,000 yard a year runner at the FCS level either. He had uh, over three years, he had 1,900 rushing yards. So I'm like, I, I don't know. He's built like a fullback, six foot 245. Like, it's not usually a profile for uh, high volume success, CFB, you know, unless you're Antoine Littleton. Is Littleton is the man. But, uh, and then uh, Lee Witherspoon um, was actually the leading rusher in the spring game. So, or what ran for 10, 10 for 56. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I'm betting on Brown. And after Brown, I'm done with it. Um, and then at Tulsa, uh, the, the, the next guy up there was Malachi Jones, uh, ran for about 500 and a couple of touchdowns last year, um, running behind Denerick Prince. Um, I don't know how interested I am in him. He's probably the guy there. Um, but also, I, I think that the thing that was noteworthy to me is that Tulsa just lost all of their wide receivers. They lost two guys that combined for 2,000 yards on uh, Stokes and Santana. Um, so you'd have to think they're going a little bit more run heavy this year, not having anyone slot right into that. Hey, uh, Jones, um, um, Jones is a wide receiver. Oh, I put him in the wrong spot. <laughs> That's why I'm confused. Walking like I know what I'm talking about, too. <laughs> I, I, I like the call, but we're on, we're on the wrong position. Alakai Jones, wide receiver, Tulsa. Look for him in your drafts. But uh, yeah, yeah, I must have put him in the wrong spot in our show sheet. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, Kelly Joyner, USF. I don't know. He sounded like he was the, the running back one. Like we said, we're kind of interested in that running back. And then Tulane, I think, was another place that had just a massive vacated opportunity. There's a couple of guys. Sounds like they're going to be in a committee. Iverson, Celestine, and Shade with two A's. Shadi, Clayton. Um, sounds like uh, Clayton's uh, – uh, Celestine's the banger. Clayton's more the, the lightning guy. Um, so Clayton might have more of that Ty J Spears role. Um but, you know, I think it's anyone's guess who's really going to rise to the top there. And then um, the USF obviously lost Brian Batty uh, to Auburn, uh, who was pretty nice. And there's one other guy I had, just a name drop. There was one of the only freshmen we found that was um, really interesting. This could be the guy by the end of the year at Tulane where we're looking for a guy to step up. It was Arnold Barnes, early enrollee, touchdown in the spring game. And then uh, – Kyle found some athletic stats for the kid and he's five foot nine, 224. He benches over 300 pounds, squats, 600 like pounds. 600, yeah. He was deadlifting like 450 or something. Right. So, yeah. um, I mean, that's a dude that is like, it's elite athleticism for an 18 year old kid. Um, and I, I know it, it sounds like he, he's not the first man up this year, but that's the kind of guy where if he can ball, 
you know, halfway through the season, he's a hot waiver pickup because he's dominating uh, work share in a prolific offense. Yeah. Uh, he's not, like, slow either. He's not super fast, but he's he's not slow by any means. Yeah. Um, and then I had some transfers in. I think we need to talk about. I guess I'm just lumping it all in together. Uh, Braylon Presley from Oklahoma State got some hype at Tulsa. Um, he could be a guy, uh, you know, who knows? I don't know if I really care about their running back one anyways. You got Shedra Lewis transferred into Tulane. And then SMU really is, I think, one of the most interesting schools on my list at this position. Recent like, P5 guys. Yeah, but who is it? You know what I mean? I mean, I think it's Jalen Knighton. He's the most proven player there. He's good, and he's got experience in the system, um, right? The head coach or the OC was at Miami a couple years ago. A um, couple years ago, yeah. Yeah, but, but also Kamar Wheaton. It was super highly uh, recruited, Alabama transfer. Um, and LJ Johnson was like the RB4 or something in his class, obviously washed out of – a&M pretty damn quickly, but he's like 220 pounds and runs a 4-4. So. Fantasy, Kamar Wheaton, Fantasy Pros, Debbie RB1 a week ago. <laughs> RB1, bro, RB1. Gosh. All right. That was that was a lot of words. So what do you, what do you got going on in the position, Kyle? I like Knighton. Um, I'm surprised he transferred from Miami. Um, and surprised he transferred down. After last season, but uh, I like him at SMU. He's like the same guy as Henry Parrish, though. The same player. Knighton's a little more explosive, I think. But uh, clearly, I think I think it's Citizens' backfield. But Citizens yeah. hurt. He's got to come back at some point, right? <laughs> he sounded pretty hurt. Like, it was is he really that hurt? Is he really that hurt? Yeah, we had um. Oh, oh gosh, we had the CFF guys on. And I was talking with Henry Parrish, and he was like, yeah, man, it's Henry Parrish because citizen knee words are that it's not good. Sorry, get now, I'm bummed. now I'm bummed. <laughs> Just ruined the night. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, like I said, Blake Watson, Old Dominion, headed to Memphis um, probably – um, in that three-headed backfield. And then Naquan Wright from Florida going to USF, a uh, highly touted recruit, um, played – couldn't beat out Trevor Etienne, but I don't think that's a huge indictment because I think Etienne's a very good back. So um, if he can do – if he can have a role at USF, I think it's worth something. I mean, probably like an RB uh, 30, 40 type CFF guy, so – Deep roster hold, but an interesting guy. Um, and then one other freshman I wrote down for this conference is Durrell Robinson at Charlotte. Um, similarly to the uh, Charlotte quarterback transfer, he is a guy who played for that head coach in high school um, a couple of years back. Uh, he was a legit P5 talent with some offers and was committed to Boston College, but once his former head coach took the job at Charlotte, he decided to go to Charlotte. And Charlotte has just about nobody else in that backfield. So um, I like Darrell Robinson as a freshman to produce for multiple seasons. Um, 
not super interested as a Debbie asset, considering he doesn't really have a elite trait. Um, right. But he's pretty good at everything. What do you want to do with these guys? Which guy? I think Knighton first. Um, and I, I was thinking lower than Marquise Crosby, but generally in that range, like Holani or Knighton. Holani? Uh, I don't – Knighton, it's so hard to tell. I just don't know what either of those backfields are. Um, you know what? Actually, I, I don't want to put – I don't want to put Knighton above Kylan Hines. I don't think. I think that's my yeah. I swap. For is him. is that in indictive of us saying that Hines should be ahead of Holani too? <laughs> I don't know. Holani's going to score a shit ton of touchdowns. Is the thing. I think unless we're projecting so much. Unless he doesn't, yeah. <laughs> unless GT takes all of it. I mean, I think that's in the realm of possibilities. But yeah. Um, Gosh, I, I really think we need to have a show at the end of this. It just argues all of this. Because we're, we're going to have yeah. so many things where we look back and we're we like, We should probably we're, like, were we in the right argue that show? It together and then do a show to review it. <laughs> no one wants to watch us argue for three hours <laughs> the rankings. Oh, I think everybody one. wants to watch us argue for three hours. <laughs> I think this Jermaine Brown kid is somewhat interesting. I'm throwing him in there like below Calvin Hill. Unless you think you should go lower than that, but I think someone there is very likely to be productive. The blocking was decent last year. I don't I haven't looked up their line rankings, but I mean they they made some holes for Dwayne McBride. Um, it's a kid that almost ran for a thousand yards last year. Already. I just it's not doesn't take much projection to give him a thousand yards and ten touchdowns, which is going to be you know sixteen seventeen points a game, right? Yeah. Do you want to rank Marlon Gunn? Oh, yeah. There's a guy we didn't even talk about yet. Um, Marlon Gunn and Rajay Harris are the two returning backs at Eastern Carolina who both played behind Keaton Mitchell last year. Um, both had 67 carries last year, but Marlon Gunn outrushed Harris by 100 yards on his 67 carries. Um, has been the talk of the team during spring camp. So um, the projected RB1 at ECU filling Keaton, Mitchell, Keaton Mitchell's shoes and Mitchell just ran for 1400 yards and 15 touchdowns. Um, I think there's more of a split than there was back last year, but I still think gun as the RB one is worth something. Um, it's going to be that same range, right? John Lee Eldridge or Marlon gun. I think I put him like right ahead of peasant. I think 16, I think 16, 17 points per game is fair. I think, yeah. Peasant was like a 15 point per game last year. Peasant was like 14 and a half last year. Let me tell you what Peasant got in Born and Raised last year. Peasant and Born, yeah, 14.9. So right ahead of Peasant. I think so. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about some of this stuff because I I think Crosby is going to go for more than that. Like, if we're just rating people by. You know what we think they're going to get for points per game. I mean, Crosby, Crosby was good last year as a right redshirt freshman. Hines, do you think Hines is going to get less than fifteen points a game? No. Yeah. No, I think Hines is like an eighteen, nineteen points yeah. per game score. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll come back to this. 
Uh, anyone else here really needs to get ranked. I mean, we pretty much washed the Memphis guys. Uh, Knight and I, Wheaton and LJ Johnson, are they still Debbie assets at all? Wheaton, I guess, could be, but it's not good going down to G5. I guess it's health for him, though, more than anything else, right? Um, yeah. And I guess the other name to talk about, too, I glossed over him, but Naquan Wright transferred from Florida, UCF. He hasn't done anything at Florida, but he's, you know, he's probably the most highly recruited guy in that uh, backfield right now. So mm-hmm. no no mention of him in any spring game, anything like no that. No mention of any running backs, though. That's kind of the issue. Yeah, kind of the yeah. issue. There's so one guy that got 50, 70 yards. <laughs> the guy that got the name <laughs> um, Pretty brutal. Um, okay, wide receivers. Um, you want to take the take the graduates because they're all yours. Not quite. I mean, Tulane, Tulane loses two guys, Deuce Watson, Shaw, Wyatt, who both had almost 700 yards. Charlotte loses um, – like six guys in total, but two to graduation, Grant DuBose and Victor Tucker. Um, they also lose um, Elijah Spencer to Minnesota and the transfer portal. Um, Isaiah Winstead and C.J. Johnson both graduate at Eastern Carolina, leaving a big gaping hole there. And then um, Gabe Rogers graduates from Memphis, and they lose four of their top five receivers last year to graduation slash the portal. Those portal guys being Javon Ivory to South Alabama and Eddie Lewis to South Carolina. And then also in the portal, the big one, um, Zakari Franklin leaving UTSA for Ole Miss. And then Jair Shorter left Northern Texas for Auburn. Yeah, we got quite a bit to talk about here too. Stepping up, guys, uh, you know, seizing opportunity we think uh but just hit returners quickly uh utsa obviously has two of just two of the best returning wide receivers in the g5 really joshua cephas has been steady producer for the past two seasons he was good for 17.4 last year behind franklin uh kind of in like a 1b role with is the corian clark still in I think he's still there. Yeah, I think he came back for like a fifth season. Yeah, I, I think him and Clark. Um, I mean, Clark had what, like 800 yards last year? Seven Clark touchdowns had 741, so. but eight touchdowns. So he was kind of a deep, th- deep threat touchdown guy. Uh, right, a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was going for... Uh, 15 a catch, right? And Ed Clark, Ed Clark's got some skills too, man. He's got ball skills. He's a like can separate a little bit, but really, it's just you throw the ball near him, he's coming down with it. And uh, yeah, these dudes over too. Clark's fun to mm-hmm. watch, man. He's he's got some Debbie hype. Um, I don't I don't know if it's legit or not, but I I could I could see it happening. Just he's, he's like 22 already. It's a problem. Yeah, with Franklin gone, I like both these guys to to go off with Frank Harris. I mean, I think there will be a lot of production in this offense, and I think they'll both get up near 20 points per game. Yeah, I think they both go, like, really in that top group there. I mean, Ashton Hawkins or, you know, DeCorian Clark. I, I don't, Clark was pushing 20 points per game last year. I think I think go right Yeah, there. yeah. 
Mm. I, I feel like Burgess and Hood are a very similar situation. I think yeah. they're both pushing 20. Um, I feel like we have Hilaire too high in CFF. For CFF. Well, but didn't they, he get a quarterback upgrade? Yeah. And he, and, and an, a coordinator upgrade, right? I think he, I think there was a graduation that was. Yeah, there's a, yeah, he lost the guy that was ahead of him. Or, yeah. We can bump him down below those guys if you want, but I think that's the group we got to be talking about these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I Tyron Smith, I mean, I think he's right in there. And I think I'd put Decorian a little bit higher. I think Decorian would have had even more production last year, but he was a little bit banged up too. So I personally would put him in that Horton Hawkins range, and I'd put Cephas maybe with Burgess or below Burgess and Hood. Sure. I think uh, you want to put like Clark wide receiver two out of that group and Cephas right there. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I could see putting Horton over him, but I, but yeah, you're right. These guys both just lost a, a 1200 yard receiver next to them and they were already that size. So yeah, I think the and Clark could easily be. Also, did we miss the Tyron Smith transferred to AM or did he transfer back? back? He transferred back. Yeah. Yeah, he went. He went, and then he came back. Um, silly. Was, yeah. Silly. No, why? He wasn't going to play there. I know, but it's just silly that he did it at all. Um, no, you know, I'm sure the coaches talk like, "Hey, better opportunity for you, right?" And then he got there, and it was like, "Dude, yep. I'm he not, got the bag I'm, and dipped." Yeah, I'm not playing over Moose Muhammad. I'm not playing over freaking Evansville nice ever. You know, yeah, yeah. Anaya Sniff's the same guy, but better. Just, I think it was smart for him to come back. Um, hopefully, he made some money. Uh, <laughs> a couple of, couple, of, couple, yeah, maybe I don't know. A couple of other guys here to talk about uh, Trey Shopshire in a in an offense that pretty much only ran the ball, went for almost a thousand yards. Uh, he was in the portal and then pulled out. And then you had a couple. Yeah, I, I think Shropshire's. I think Shropshire's pretty legit. Um, just yeah. the offense is so. Um, who's so much of a toss-up to me. Yeah. Who's um, throwing the ball? How much are they throwing it, you know? Yeah. Um, I have a couple of guys that I really, really like for CFF. And the first one is LeJonte Wester at FAU. Um, he's the wide receiver 34 in the nation last year with 17.7 points per game. Um, I think he got an offensive scheme upgrade going from um, – the guy whose name I'm totally blanking on to Tom Herman. And I think he got a quarterback upgrade from Perry to, to Casey Thompson. So I'm super excited about LeJonte Wester. I think he fits that um, Devin DuVernay role for Herman and that slot role. And I think he's a legit top 10 CFF option, if not top five. Um, really, really love LeJonte Wester. And then the other guy I, we, um, I think we both are on the same page about is Luke McCaffrey, uh, CMC's younger brother. Over there at Rice, you know, catching passes from JT Daniels or somebody else um, this year, and um, just started playing wide receiver last year and went for 58, 723, and six, good for 16.8 points per game. Um, so excited about McCaffrey for sure. 
All right, where do you want to put them? McCaffrey above Ricky White for me. Is he above Wiglitz for you? I think so. I think right there is perfect. Yeah. I I, I, mean, I he, think he, I definitely he, think there's a tier between Cephas and Wiglis, so um, I think McCaffrey fits in perfect. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I won't be surprised if he goes for 1,500 yards this year. I just won't. I also won't be surprised if he goes for like 900 <laughs> again. You know? Yeah, I I think um, like 900 or a thousand is projectable, and I think that's still very fair. I think that's. Uh, so you do you like Wester more than the Georgia Southern guys? Yeah, I think Wester would be like wide receiver four on this list for me, if not higher. I'm cool. So above Hawkins, above yeah. Horton. That one's tough. Um, it's just tough to like Horton's just gonna do what he did last year, and it was yeah, good. yeah, it was good last year. And uh, you almost expect the offense to improve around him. Yeah, Millen just had no time last year and was not acclimated. Put Luke near the bottom of our Debbie rankings. Yeah. I mean, he's going to play in the NFL, right? Just like, <laughs> you know, even if the practice squad guy, he's going. Yeah. Uh, um, Clark. Yeah, I think Clark and Clark. Cephas are both Debbie guys. Um, yeah, I put Clark above Cyrus Allen, below Ashton Hawkins. I think it's fair to have him above Hawkins. I mean, Hawkins is a little all right. I mean, just Clark's old, dude. Yeah. He was like a Juco guy, right? And Hawkins is 5'10", 170. Like, right. is he actually going to play in the NFL? So you want to move him down below Burgess even? Yeah. Maybe even below Smith. Smith's tiny. That's true. Smith's like 5'7". <laughs> That's true. He did almost go SEC though. Like best conference in the world. Almost was a wide receiver five on an SEC team. <laughs> um all right. Hey. So, just like Alex Adams. Also yeah. was once the wide receiver five on an SEC team. Um all right, all right, kind oh. of stepping up, guys. Um I mean Malachi Jones, I already, you know, blew the load on that one. <laughs> uh lost two guys ahead of him with just massive production. Someone's going to catch passes there. So I think he's uh, a guy could, could do some stuff this year. Um, UAB guy named Taven Curry is probably the wide receiver one went for 63 yards in their spring game, but who knows? I mean, that's just, we don't know. We don't know what that offense is going to look like. Um, Tulane uh, had Jaquan Jackson kind of pop in the beat reports. Um, and again, the top two guys are gone from ahead of him and they lost obviously a massively productive running back. So, you know, no saying that they're going to uh, run the ball as much as they did last year. Um, you know, and he was decent last year. It's 553. Um, and then I have a theory because I think EJ Warner's good. Someone at Temple has got to catch passes this year. <laughs> I mean, his two favorite targets last year were tight ends. We'll talk about them in a second. But uh, Zay Baines, nominally the wide receiver one right now, uh, you know, caught a tutty, 45 yards in the spring game. And then Dewan Mathis, who 
what you know what went to Temple as QB transfer, um, transferring down from D five, um, is now playing wide receiver for him. And he's a big dude and he's fast. And they're saying he is quickly learning the position. So it could be a nothing, could be a next year sort of thing, right? That he really acclimates. But like we've seen with Luke McCaffrey, like uh, and in time and time again, you know, guys that these these converted quarterbacks can be very successful at wide receiver or running back. Um, so, you know, that's interesting to me. Um, and then the last guy I had that was worth talking about here was Jordan Curley, who might be the successor to Rishi Rice at SMU, caught a couple of tutties in the spring game, was productive last year. Um, so if he is the guy, you want Jordan Curley. Um, yeah. You want I think I think there's a lot of CFF guys preaching the name of Jordan Curley, and I think that's a very, very validated. Um, definitely somebody who I think can step up. Yeah. I mean, competent quarterback, uh, system that shucks the ball, and they like to concentrate the targets on one or two guys. It's not a spread it out sort of thing. Um, you know, it's been it's been a it's been an X receiver and it's been a tight end, uh, typically in essence. Yeah. For me, um, Jalen Johnson is a very similar story. Um, ECU loses both Isaiah Winstead and C.J. Johnson. Uh, Jalen Johnson is a former Georgia walk-on going into his sixth collegiate season. Um, last year, he was a clear wide receiver three, caught 26 passes for 340 yards and four touchdowns. I think this offense will be slightly worse than it was last year with a new quarterback, but I still think Jalen Johnson can take over that wide receiver one role. He's a big-bodied dude who I think um, is probably um, athletically and physically better than most of the defenders in this conference, considering his age and pedigree. Um, and then Jamori Macklin at North Texas is a um, guy I think can step up. He was a CUSA all-freshman nod last year going with 16 receptions for 380 yards, um, kind of a deep threat type player um, who uh, has some – interesting uh, abilities with the ball in his hands. Um, but UNT North Texas does return their um, re leading receiver in Roderick Burns, who went 40 receptions for 676 yards last year. Um, so it'll be uh, pretty spread around, but I think Macklin is a, a decent, decent prospect as a sophomore, true sophomore. That's interesting. And I had a note here. I mean, we both know that we want whoever the wide receiver one is for USF. The problem is we have literally no idea. We could not find a single beat report, scorecard from a spring game, anything that would tell us an inkling of who's going to take over there. I mean, last year, Xavier Weaver uh, was pretty good. Uh, he's Gonzo. He transferred. He's at Colorado, we think. Um, so the one guy that I, I saw on name drop was Coffrey Brown, but it, the name drop was junior wide receiver Coffrey Brown, just being, this is the, the guy that's been in college football the longest. He caught four passes last year. So, and then there was an Omari and Dollison who caught, I don't know, it was like 15 passes for a hundred yards last year. He's a little guy. He's a slot guy. I feel like, in that offensive system, it's often, I mean, Hyatt was a pure slot guy, but he was really more of like a slot flanker. Um, I think a lot of times it's the X that you want there. 
Uh, and Coffee Brown is kind of in the mold of his brother, right? Um, Diami, so you know, was an effective extra wide receiver in in, in, yeah. in college football. Yeah, Coffee Brown. I mean, a, a P five level high school recruit. So um, you, you would think moving down, he'd uh, have the opportunity to do something at USF. So I, I like the call a little bit. Um, we'll see how it goes. I I, I think. Um, Whoever we see pop off, you know, week one or two in that offense is somebody I'm going to spend some fab on for sure. Yeah, exactly. Definitely watch listing these guys. And then there's a bunch of transfers that we're talking about here too. Uh, Yokeith Brown, who is a, a decent four star, has been sitting the bench at um, AM for a couple of years. Kind of uh, the same guy as, uh, like you said his name five minutes ago, the guy that's the speed. Two swans? No, uh, Arian Smith. Right. Oh, Anias. Oh, Texas A&M. Anias Smith. Yeah, Yokeith Brown is Anias Smith. Like that's it's what he is. He's at Tulane now. Tulane just lost ton of production. Scored in the spring game. He could be a guy there. I mean, he he flashed. He's he's the guy that's flashed in every spring game, but can't get on the field because A&M's just (laughs) loaded and none of their guys are moving on. Um, And then the other guy that's very intriguing. I have low expectations. Is Dante Wright, who was like almost out of football, right, from Colorado State. Um, I think he got removed from the team last year for academic stuff. Um, is going to Temple, where we just said, like, E.J. Warner's throwing to nothing right now. So if Wright can get it together, uh, the coach did refer to him as, you know, the most talented incoming talent. Um, he was very good at Colorado State. I mean, his freshman season, he had 805 yards. Yeah. Um, and he just most of his trouble's been off the field trouble, right? So mm-hmm. get it together. Yeah, I mean, Aver- averaged a hundred yards a game in three games in twenty twenty two. So, or yeah. twenty twenty comma two, not twenty twenty two. Yeah, we'd have a different conversation if he was going for a hundred a game. Yeah, last year, but I mean that's a guy if he puts it together. Like him and Warner could combine and do some damage. Yeah. I like Dante Wright in that Temple offense a lot. Um, as long as he as long as he stays on the field, I mean, he's the type of guy who's going to go off. Um, and then I think some other big transfers: Jordan Hudson uh, leaves TCU for SMU after one season at TCU, where he recorded a year one zero. But he was a high four star prospect last year, who a lot of people had some expectations for. So um, I believe he preserved a red shirt last year, so he'll be um, have plenty of eligibility at SMU. Um, Jaden Bradley transferred Charlotte. As I said before, Charlotte lost their six highest non-running back receiving yards leaders. So this is a Charlotte roster that has almost no talent in terms of wide receivers. So um, I think Jaden Bradley coming down from Pitt, um, where he had 10 receptions for 132 yards and two touchdowns in six games last season, is um, someone to monitor. Um, he's been well regarded among beats as, you know, the best, um, not necessarily because of spring practice, but like before that they were uh, excited about him as like the best transfer they got this year. Um, Towski Dove is transferring to Memphis from Missouri. Um, Memphis lost their two or three best wide receivers from last year to the portal or graduation. And, um, Dove was a starter at Mizzou last year and a a team captain. Um, 
he's going into his sixth year, but <laughs> had 16 receptions, 240 yards, and one touchdown last year. So not super inspiring in terms of production, but um, I think he's a guy who's going to get on the field for Memphis, so maybe he can turn that into some kind of production. And then the last guy, Naeem Simmons from FCS Wagner going to USF, um, competing with Coffrey Brown. Um, he had 50 receptions for 796 yards and six touchdowns last year was all was an all NEC, I believe is what that conference was. Um, pick. He's a uh, it's it's hard to tell with these um transfers up, especially when there's no spring game news about them, but it's just someone to watch as well. Could be that guy we're looking at a week one or two that went off. All right. What do you want to do with these guys? I started ranking some as you were talking. I'm sure you noticed. Um, God, where's your Keith Brown? Um, so. Tulane. Uh, Tulane, yeah. Struggle bus. Struggle bus. Where'd you put Curly and Wright? I put Curly. I put Curly. Um, hmm. God, where did I put him? I lost him. I put him I between Smoke Harris and Corey Rucker. I think the upside is more than that, though. When you talk about these best balls, we definitely draft for upside. Um, and plus, like, I think. I think Smoke Harris and Corey. I think Smoke Harris is close to a 20 point game per game guy. Yeah. He's good. And he's, dude, he's, he's available in some of these leagues, too. And Pinkney, Pinkney, we like, right? Pinkney's like 18, right? 16, uh... 15. I struggle seeing Pinkney and Brown both producing. Right. I think that's the problem. Yeah. But without uh, Caldwell there, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Chadwell. But yeah. Chadwell, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's weird because I, I like him less than Harris, but I like him more than Pinkney. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I mean, should we put Harris up? I mean, that was the one you weren't here. You got no input on that. Would you put Pinkney, Smoke Harris above Ricky White? Above Colin Lacey? I think I'd have him behind Colin Lacey, but right above Rudolph. Above Rudolph. I'm cool with that. I don't think Justin will, will hate you forever. I, I mean, with, with he was like, one of Justin's guys. I don't think he wanted to step on our toes, but the <laughs> rankings were bad. So what about Curly? Would you put Curly, therefore, above Jared Brown? I, I could see it. Yeah. I mean I like I like Brown though. I mean he was already good. He was good as a freshman. Yeah. I I, I think mm, yeah. But the system, you know, it's just do we know that it's curly? I think we do. So I think I think I want to move curly up. Yeah, it's just kind of like ranking for one year versus ranking for multiple years. Um, right. Well it's a CFF though. I think we're a win now for our CFF rankings. Yeah. Right? We're yeah. We're in, you know. Um, Debbie, obviously, I don't think, but if like, Pink, if like, yeah, if like Pink News out of the picture, I think Brown ahead of him makes sense, but right, he, he's there, so um, and I threw some of these other guys kind of in at the end. I mean, Yul Keith, because if he is the guy there, like that's I mean, Tulane lost 2,000 yards, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, um. Oh, Tulane lost 1,300 yards. Tulane didn't have a strong wide receiver one. Thinking of Tulsa, Tulsa lost massive. 
production. I think I'd have um, scroll up a little bit. Malachi Jones is who I want, and I put him on here too. Can you like scroll up a hair? Oh, I think I'd have I think I'd have like Shropshire above Corrales. I'm fine with that. I think he's talented for sure. I like Cyrus Allen a lot too. Eh. Well, I do too, but we're, I just we're going back in time again. Well, I just here's the thing: I, I don't think Cyrus Allen goes for a thousand yards alongside Smoke, right? I, I don't think Corrales goes for a thousand yards alongside Hawkins, right? I don't think that's a thousand yard area of the board. <laughs> I think that's like <laughs> sub a thousand yards there, right? Like eight nine hundred. Um, I'm not even. I'm yeah. I don't know. I feel like Allen is like more set in stone than Corrales, so in terms of being the wide receiver two there. I agree. And then I mean I, I like him a lot as a Debbie guy too, like a little low low profile, cheap, cheap acquisition. He's he's available. Yeah. Every every yeah. single supplemental I've done, I've been grabbing him. Uh, all right, so Dante Wright. Is that an appropriate like ranking? That. I think it reflects like his that. upside and also the fact that he could just not play. <laughs> um do we miss anyone we care about? I think Jalen Johnson at ECU is a right. uh, at least 13, 14 type guy. Points per game. Yeah. That's that same range, right? Uh, yeah, probably uh, definitely above Matheson, probably below Lockhart. So That's just what I was looking at. Um, yeah. yeah, I was actually looking right above Tyler Vaughn. <laughs> that was my gut. So uh, Jalen Johnson, ECU. All right. Anyone else here you want to rank? I threw Coffee Brown just on just to have him on the list. Um, I don't know if Jordan Hudson's got it gotten any buzz since he transferred, but I, I liked him last year as a freshman. He, he transferred after the spring game, right? He may have. I believe he like played well in the spring game and then transferred. He transferred May twenty first, so yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I he entered the portal in April, but I think that's still after. He still has a shred of hope as a Debbie guy, but we know that's a low percentage shot. Um, Where's he now? SMU. SMU. That's that's interesting, man. Yeah, he could he could be a guy next year that's in that Reishi role. Like he can move around, he can play inside, he can play outside. Um, the, I think the issue with Hudson as a, as a recruit, though, and what kind of ruined him at TCU is he doesn't have a trait that's like elite. He's an all around guy. Good, not great. Yeah. Do you want to put him on the CFF um, rankings? I think we should. Like, if he's the, he, even if he's the two out. to Curly, he's worth something. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd put him like right below Coffrey. Yeah. Right below Coffrey? Yeah. I think everyone after that's pretty, pretty long shot. So, um, I think in terms of um, other Devi guys, I think Dante Wright could resurrect himself with a big season. Um, oh, End of this list, just above Hudson. 
Um, I think Ibrahim needs to be last, but yeah. remember why we put Ibrahim on that list <laughs> we were we were just really like shaken for somebody to put on the list at all. <laughs> it was it was a small list still is um all right anyone else should rank here um i, I think yeah. lejante western is worth it oh did we miss him and, and debbie oh and debbie where um Above right second to last <laughs> He's uh, 5'11", 165, so very, yeah. very thin. He ain't Devonta Smith. So, <laughs> um, All right, tight end. There's a couple people worth talking about here. Um, Reggie Brown's the next man up at Tulane, but whatever. That was good for 250 yards last year. I think the interesting guys for me were the two Temple uh, tight ends. Um and no one really knows these names, but these were the guys Warner was throwing to when he was throwing for 500 yards in a game. Um, David Martin Anderson is like a fifth-year player. He's a super senior, but he had over 93 yards in two of his last three games, caught mm-hmm. a touchdown or a couple of touchdowns in one of those games. Um, and then his running mate, Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith's the younger guy in the group. He was, uh, I think he was a second-year player last year. And he played well, averaging 50 yards and half a touchdown over the last four games. So, you know, do you project Jordan Smith to get better? I I think it's David Anderson this year. I think next year it's Smith. But, you know, if that's what Temple wants to do is use the tight ends over the middle and up the seam, uh, David Anderson could be – he could be a six or seven hundred yard tight end if that becomes, you know, one of the the top three targets in that offense and Warner throws for – you know, 3,500 yards and, and 25 touchdowns, which I think is a simple projection. So I think those are really interesting. Deeper league, you know, you need a tight end. Uh, you don't want to burn capital. You want someone to grab late. Uh, I think yeah. David Anderson goes on my list there. And frankly, I I mean, after Delvin Smith, there's no one I even care about on this list. You know, I'm not, I'm not clamoring to draft Trenton Welch, you know. Um, no, I think um, I think David Martin Anderson is tight end three at least. Yeah, I kind of think Dalvin Smith should be higher too. Honestly, you know Smith. I think that's fair. I think you can switch him and Holker for sure. Holker, right? It's, I mean, if Smith becomes like the wide receiver three there, like that's very hard, you know. But I mean. Hard. Martin 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 Robbins Martin Robertson Martin Anderson. I had David Martin Anderson. I think okay. I think it's David Martin Robinson. Oh, let me look it up. <laughs> but um, he had five point four targets per game last year, which was ninth in the country. Um, it's good for fourth among tight ends who played last year and will David play again Martin next Robinson. year. You're right. Um. In terms of targets per game last year, he the only people he's behind who are earning are Brock Bowers, Jatavian Sanders, and Brant Cuthie. So damn, yeah. So definitely um, a little diamond in the rough. I too. might even I might even put him ahead of Cozyol. Yeah, um, assuming that Brady Hunt remains the one there. I mean, yeah, like tough to 
tough to beat that. I mean, they're they're both gonna play. Like, um, if I, I think also the point is though is that you're gonna have the same same thing of Temple, right? The younger kid's gonna play there too. But yeah, but I think you put the one at Temple above the two at Ball State, right? So I'm with you. I like that ranking. And then I think, um, um, Temple was one of the like <laughs> leading teams in the nation that used like tight end two tight end sets. So I think both guys are gonna be on the field. Um, Jordan Smith and David Martin Robinson. So, yeah, so we'll put but, I, I, but Martin Robinson, I mean, 84.2% route participation rate on passing plays. Like he's not out there to block. Um, he's out there to catch passes. So I, I, I think David Martin Robinson's a, a, a huge diamond in the rough. And he's a little sleeper there. And then uh, another guy that's, this is a guy that gets the, the love from our friends at campus to Canton. Uh, R.J. Maryland from SMU, first year as a starter, went for 306, uh, 300 yards, six touchdowns. Reishi moved on. They're looking for someone to, you know, step up, as we talked about. I, I think there's room for Curly to be good and Maryland to be good. And uh, and I don't, was it the Lashley system when uh, – who was the tight end there last? There was a couple of guys. Calcutta was there, right? And Calcutta. Uh, Cocaterra and before him, there was another guy that was went on to the NFL but didn't do anything, but that was hyper productive. Um, yeah, the guy at the the guy with the Colts, right? Um Granson? Uh, no. Was Kyle, yeah, yeah, Kylan Granson. Kylan Granson, yeah. Granson was an that's right. Guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's I feel like he was banged up or something, but um uh, anyway, so you know, I RJ Maryland. You know, could, could and I love to see in tight ends that did it as a freshman, right? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he's an athlete. Um, just to really get on the field and produce right away, it's always a big, big plus for me. So I think I throw him in there right behind Alvin Smith for CFF, but RJ Maryland goes on our Devi list. Number one. I mean, number one, you think? Yeah. Why? Those guys are also freshmen and they outproduced him last year. How are you putting him ahead of Brady Hunt and Cozio? Because he's Why? <laughs> because he's an in a better offense. But and I think he's a better belt. As he do those guys have size problems? Brady Hunt's like two hundred and forty pounds. Cozio's light. Cozio's like a tweener, but. I mean, I, your answer is because I'll tell you, Maryland is getting hype, and these guys aren't. That's that's. RJ Maryland was a four-star prospect. Brady Hunt is six four two seventeen. Two seventeen is a terrible weight for a tight end. All right, I'll put. He was I'll five in high school. Okay, he's already put on ten pounds. He got time to put on more. Um, I think Brady Hunt should be ahead of Cozio on our rankings too. So RJ Maryland's dad was a first round pick. Really? There's a fun fact for you. Yeah. Fun fact. Pedigree. Pedigree matters. Um, Russell. Oh, his dad is also RJ Maryland. Or no, Russell Maryland. Um, all right. Wait. Not not first round pick. First overall pick. Wait, what year? 1991, Russell Maryland, defensive tackle. Oh, I was going to say. Ten seasons right? for the Cowboys, Raiders, and Packers. 
strange that we don't know his name. I mean, not that we're so three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowler. Damn dog. Played for Miami. So that's why people 90s. like him. It's, they like him because of the pedigree. That's it. Jeez, yeah, man, that was him too. Yeah. What did he? Does he have verified testing? He probably does if I can find it. But I know I. I the biggest thing for me is like I know like the Debbie Rankers like Maryland a lot, and so I, I I'm sure there's some reason for that, <laughs> and I'm trusting them kind of blindly right now because I didn't really do the research on SMU. Um, yeah. Well, I'm with you. I think Brady Hunt is probably underrated. Is what I track in high school. Oh, did he? All right. So that's 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 a thing for sure. You're you're that size. You're running track, but can you put on enough weight? I mean, two twenty to two forty five. That's doable, I guess. Kind of a stretch, but I'm with you, um, Kyle. That was a lot, man. We just did a lot of work. That was the longest show we've done. It's an hour and forty, bro. <laughs> a lot of teams in this conference. A lot I of teams. 14. And I think we went there fourteen teams. Yeah, Although, I think uh, the I think the new rule is anything over twelve we get a split. Although I think I brought up like one Navy player the entire time, and I spent two seconds. Yeah, like, so they like barely count. But yeah, I just I can't imagine anyone sitting through an hour and forty one minutes of us just talking about names and throwing on a big board. You know, <laughs> I think this is peak content. Peak content. Somebody will, and they will leave us a comment as they like and subscribe because we are here for you. Especially if you're still watching at this point where while I'm watching a baseball game. Someone's watching. Someone's watching right now. Well, we appreciate you guys. If if you like this, you like this work, hit us up. We'll send you a copy. We'll send you a link to the big board we're working on. Happy to share. I mean, you can see most of it as we're doing this. But if you want your own sheet to work off of, let me know. I also have my own personal big board I'm drafting off of right now. But it's not as exhaustive as this. This is the real deal, McGee. Um, but yeah, we need your support. And as always follow me on Twitter. I want to hear your takes, follow Kyle, check out Kyle's ratings on the undroppables where he has actual useful Debbie rankings. You search Debbie rankings on Google. It's probably like the third result, I think. So. Third result. And it's just Kyle's rankings, uh, right there above fantasy pros, baby. You know, for a good reason. Gosh. Um, how's Tennessee doing? Are they winning? It's 1-0 in the third inning, and we got two men aboard right now. I hope you guys win, man. Hope you take it home. Excited for you to see your boys in the college football playoff. College baseball. What do they call it? The championship? World Series. World Series. Which They're is really like the top series, eight. Though? It's the top eight, team, top eight teams. Go to Got the College it. World Series in baseball. It's, a top it's kind team. of a misnomer. Yeah. It's the best college teams in the world. Oh, that's true. That's so. true. Okay, my man. Is I the MLB World it. Series really the World Series? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of a misnomer, right? It's more like the North American Series. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, it would be fun to see an actual uh, – like a baseball league with now some of the teams in in uh, Japan and stuff are getting actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, they'd still lose. 
Yes, probably. They they actually um, might beat the A's. <laughs> that is uh that's not saying much, my man. <laughs> All right, uh from Eric from Kyle. We appreciate you guys. We're signing off. Stay on for the next one. Be doing some more freshman content, some more of our sleeper values, and of course, we're gonna get into the P5 school soon. We're pumped. A lot of players popping up at the top of the Devi lists. Yeah, this list is going to look real, real different, real quick. So uh, we're going to sign off for this one. But you know, we appreciate you guys. We hope to see you again soon. Yeah. What do you What do you want to?